0: Hello and welcome to another edition of Ayahuasca Talks. I have Carrie Moran with me here. Say hello, Carrie. Hi, everybody. Hi, Rebecca. Hello. So glad that you could join us today. Um, Carrie is a psychotherapist working with ayahuasca integration in the Sacred Valley in Peru. And uh, we had a chance to chat before the show, and we. would like to the audience would like to hear um about your story carrie how you got started with ayahuasca and since the the focus of the show is integration um we're hoping can share some of the stories about how you experienced and integrated your own ayahuasca experiences sure
1: okay uh well i'll start with the story of how i met ayahuasca and um Go from there, and if you want to ask questions along the way, please, please do. Of course. Uh Um, I met ayahuasca five or six years ago uh, in Hawaii. I was visiting a friend in Hawaii, and it just unexpectedly came up that uh, some friends of his were holding ceremonies, and ayahuasca was something I'd heard about for years before that. It was kind of on my radar, but it hadn't really presented itself so I said, "Yes, yeah, sure, I'd like to join this ceremony." So I met the friends. We uh, we had a beautiful ceremony. It was the first and only daytime ceremony I've ever done, actually. Oh,
0: yeah. Wow, that's
1: interesting. And, and in a Hawaiian afternoon in full sunlight. Wow. <laughs> uh huh. It was beautiful, and it was also, of course, you know, strange and disturbing, and extremely different from anything I'd ever experienced before. Um, I had a fair amount of experience with psychedelics in my younger years, but, you know, being a plant spirit, it's, it's a bit different. Yeah. So the first thing that happened, pretty much the first thing that happened once the medicine started going was two beings appeared before me and they said to me, did you know that you were molested as a child? And I was like, no, I didn't know that. Who was it? And they said, Your father. And I was like, "Um, (laughs) I don't know what to say. How old was I at the time? They told me I was about three or four years old. And I asked a few more questions. And then I had the presence of mind, I guess, to say to them, Look, I'm sorry, I'm just starting off on this journey. With this plant that I don't even know, you know, I don't know who you are. I don't know what this space is. I don't know what this medicine is. I'm just going to put this aside and think about it afterwards. (laughs) Seemed like a practical thing to do. And um, proceeded to go on an amazing journey voyage with ayahuasca.
0: And was that amazing journey the same or that entire experience during the day was just this very powerful message that you received?
1: No, I put that message aside. Oh, I
0: see. Five minutes.
1: I was like, I'm sorry, I can't go with this any further. I need to evaluate this in a sober state sort of thing,
0: you know? Absolutely. Okay. So you put that to one side and then just experience the rest of your ayahuasca journey.
1: Exactly. What was unfolding and um yeah, it was very intimate actually with the spirit of the medicine. Yeah. Um, kind of astonishingly so. And my intention had been you know, help me heal from this trauma I'm carrying around. I didn't know about the sexual abuse. It <laughs> just right. kind of more trauma, first of all. But I, you know, I, I knew I had enough trauma in my body. I was asking for healing with that. And I was very ambitious going in, like, let's heal this trauma. Let's do it. Let's clear it all out. But really, <laughs> it was so gentle with me. So and nice. I, and I ended up just laying with my head in her lap. <laughs> she comforted me.
0: <laughs>
1: and it was, I just felt like a little baby. And a lot of my trauma is infant also, you know, childhood.
0: Yeah, um, I can identify with that. And and that's such a beautiful story about how intimate and loving it was. Yeah. Because it's a very big thing to land on you so quickly in that <laughs> experience.
1: Yeah. And it was just like lying in the lap of the mother and all my ambitions for clearing out the trauma or doing lots of work were gone. I was just hanging out with the mother for hours and hours. Wow. And, Later, I realized that was exactly, of course, what I needed. Yeah. And it was such a personal introduction, too, you know.
0: Absolutely. And so um, your integration would have been coming to terms with that. Um, Did you want to discuss that, how that unfolded, or whatever part of it you're comfortable talking about?
1: Sure. Well, first of all, let me say that, you know, I work as an integration therapist now with ayahuasca and other psychedelics and plant medicines. But I feel that integration is something that we're doing in all of our lives with yeah. or without plant medicine. <laughs> it it really is the path of growth and changing and learning and um, incorporating that learning into our lives in ways that really make a difference in how we shape the world. Yeah. So integration is not something exclusive to ayahuasca. And I feel like I you know i've been on the path of integration for a long time before i met the medicine so when i did meet the medicine and it started handing me these big things <laughs> uh. uh you know i turned to all my resources and all my tools and all my practices you know so that many ways had.
0: yeah yeah that's yeah,
1: so many things that i've learned over the course of many years as a psychotherapist mm-hmm. Um, ways of being with the body, with the mind, with the spirit, of listening to my dreams, of listening to my body, of trusting my emotions and going with them, of working with images, of working with my intuition, you know. Right. So some of the integration was about unpacking more of this well, first, let me say that I found it hard to accept and believe <laughs> what, yeah. what I was told in that first five minutes. I spent six weeks like, what the heck was that about kind of thing.
0: Absolutely.
1: And then I had another medicine experience where immediately, immediately upon the medicine hitting my body, I felt the abuse. I heard the sounds of the abuse. My body remembered it, you know, revealed those memories in, in ways that for me were irrefutable. Right. I mean, this was not a, any part of me making something up. This was biological imprinted in my hearing and in my cells. And yeah. It, I trust that. You know? What do
0: you think that was about? Was that a, a because you spent time, um, I mean, do you think that there was, she can be so visceral at times. And I know that for me, when I had an experience like that, it was important for me to acknowledge and maybe it was a healing in and of itself. How do you view yep. that experience?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because for me, then there was no question that yes, this this was part of my experience in this life that this happened. Oh, and this, right. And I could get past the point, you know, the agonizing kind of confusion of what does this mean? Is it real? Da da da. Yeah. You know, okay. So People recover world. memories in all sorts of ways, not just with plant medicine. And I've, as a therapist, I've seen how excruciating that process can be to start to do I believe it or don't I? <laughs> the doubt, yeah. yeah so the there doubt. was doubt there
0: and she was addressing that.
1: Directly in the way that was like nothing else would be so strong for me as the visual imprint, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can I can relate to that. Yeah. So how um, did you notice that there are big changes after you addressed that? Because I know that you... Um, did you want to talk about how that unfolded or just how it felt after you came to terms with it?
1: Sure. Let me. I'll talk a little more about just the process, uh, how ayahuasca led me through that and how I worked with it a bit. So um, what can I say? That was like five or six years ago, so I feel like I'm pretty much through it by now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it took, I would say, a year or two of intense work with myself, with the medicine, Uh, with different plants to really move completely through it and of course karmically or paradoxically or whatever it all came up around the time that my parents were really reaching the end of their lives which on one hand gave us the opportunity to heal things and on the other hand was a really difficult thing (laughs) for them to have to uh handle absolutely Um, yeah but I felt very clearly that this was something I needed to address with them, just in terms of, hey, we had a chance to clean things up before you go, you know. Yeah. It it wasn't about confrontation or accusation. It was just like, <laughs> here's here's the whole deck of cards. Now we can see them, and what can we do with this, you know? So uh, it was difficult and painful in some ways, but I don't really regret you know, moving into, um, you know, moving towards completion.
0: (laughs) Do you feel that ultimately there was like healing in that for all concerned?
1: I think ultimately, yes. Although I, my span of ultimately goes past the death stage (laughs) (laughs) into the bardo and into next lives. So yes, it felt very, uh, karmically complete in a way. And, um, I will say that ayahuasca also kind of guided me at some point. Uh, this was about six or nine months later when we were kind of past the discussion of it. But I went to a ceremony and the next night, morning I woke up with a complete download of an email I needed to write to my father. Just very simple, a paragraph or two, just complete forgiveness, complete understanding, complete release, you know. Mm-hmm. These were not my words. I mean, they were my words, but it was channeled through me or something. Yes,
0: know? I've so, had that experience too. Yeah, it brilliant. It, it
1: was a real, it was a real gift to be able to do that and really clean things up before he died.
0: Yeah, it takes the weight off, especially in in such a situation where yeah. The mind could go back and forth about things it 's like no, write this
1: <laughs> right. and when you 're given something like that it 's just you recognize it as a gift and you trust it at least it, i trust
0: it <laughs> yeah've i 've sent those emails i 've written those things absolutely, mm-hmm. so in the end, there was a there was a peaceful resolution you feel
1: yeah, to the extent that we could do it in this life, and then you know work continues after people die also so At this point, I feel pretty complete about that particular piece of my past. And I would feel so much lighter.
0: (laughs) Yes, I was going to ask that question. How did you feel? Because sometimes it's like
1: a weight that's lifted. It's like carrying around this bag of crap my whole life and not even knowing it and identifying with it and thinking it was part of me and then coming to the recognition, wait a minute, this wasn't me. Yeah. this is what was done to me in a way this is what happened to me but it's not me, it's not my soul, it's not my spirit and I think in fact that's been a lot of my personal work with ayahuasca (laughs) has been about sorting out the trauma and the disconnection that comes from trauma from my essence, my soul, my spirit and making
0: more room for soul and spirit in my body sure, yeah, yeah, I can identify with that too Yeah. Um, You know, uh, um, what occurred to me when you were talking about the weight and how we kind of relate those things um, as carrying weight around, we don't know uh, that we're doing it. You know, we get used to being in a certain state and we regard it as normal. And what I've discovered through my integration experience with ayahuasca is every time I'm asked to shed something, there's, there's potential resistance and there's, you know, that, that awkward learning curve and all the rest of it, whatever comes with big changes, um, they, these things, um, how they move and how you change, it takes all kinds of forms. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. I remember when I was going through a particularly difficult period, trying to adjust to the new understanding and the new way of being. And I I had full conviction. You know, I, I could see everything that she was downloading and helping me to see. It was just the doing of it, which is the integration was was (laughs) challenging. What can I say? It's the reality of, of, of what I was experiencing at the time and what helped me get over that particular hump. There have been, you know, various, um, helps like that, but I remember her kind of explaining to me that um, you think that this is difficult moving into this new way of being. What you don't realize is how difficult it's been up until now being the way that you have.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: (laughs) And you're starting to get that now. Yes. Know that and it's gonna make it easier for you to move forward. This is the incentive because that, that way you were used to, that was just it was not healthy and this is gonna be so much better. And right, that's right. when you're feeling that change, letting that yeah. go.
1: Yeah, and going back to what you said in the beginning, how we don't often recognize that we're carrying this weight, you know, especially yeah. if things happened when we were children or babies or infants. We just grow up identifying with it as part of us exactly that is again part of trauma and that is again part of the beautiful skillful work I feel ayahuasca can do in terms of trauma healing is starting to help us separate or differentiate here's what happened and here's me
0: (laughs) yeah exactly starting to detach enough to see it for what it was instead of seeing it as part of yourself Yeah, and
1: grasping onto it and identifying with it which is natural for a child I mean we can't help it but it's also a, a deception
0: you know this is a concept that that came up that I really had explored deeply with ayahuasca was detachment um, and that word I held um, it, it was not a pleasant word i didn 't have a good relationship with that word growing up because it it meant cold and unfeeling and mm-hmm. and harmful and negative and ayahuasca has used it as a tool for me to let go of things and to see them for what they were. And mm-hmm. that was a new way of being for me too, mm-hmm. even just finding a new way to understand that word detachment and what it meant and how to use it and how to be in that state in mm-hmm. a healthy way.
1: Mm-hmm. Or objectivity might be another word or a discernment, you know. Again, sure. that ability to... Um, sort, just, just offering more space around all the events of your life or my life. <laughs>
0: I think you know. that the reason why the detachment came up was because we, she took me through some interesting exercises. Like I, I it's funny, these exercises were like ayahuasca type experiences, but through dreams, which we're going to get into um, later. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like because she has been a presence so, that I felt so keenly in my life every day, You know, it would present itself, this opportunity to heal something and something would be removed like extraction, like, like it does in ceremony, but a more gentle sort of um, in your mind's eye experience. Mm-hmm. And I would notice that I, I, I could see that they were taking out something that was harmful and I knew that it had to go, but I was attached. Mm. You know, so that's why the word that I, I had to become acquainted with the idea of detaching, literally. Exactly. Letting go. The, yeah. The
1: process of Yeah. Like peeling your fingers off one by one.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like, and I would invent like, you know, how these healings can happen in creative ways. We've heard people describe ayahuasca experiences where something comes and something's removed or whatever the case may be. When this was happening with me without the medicine, uh, without being officially in ceremony, I would find crazy ways of hanging on to whatever goop, (laughs) whatever harmful Mm. substance, this form, this whatever harmful energy took, whatever form it took and find ways for it not to be able to leave my body or it became sticky or it was like crazy. And then she was just trying to educate me. It's like, there's reasons for that. You're just attached to it and let's work on it
1: right you we identify with it we, yeah we think we can't survive without it in fact because sometimes these are ways of being that we developed in a very young state that aren't particularly
0: skillful but they helped us to survive it was a very strange thing to see that play out in that scenario and know mm-hmm. that my brain was saying i do i do want to let go of it and know that there's another part of me that just couldn't let go you know mm-hmm. it could only let go of so much and so that's why i learned to to detach from it, to become separate from it and see it and be able to let it go. And yeah, yeah, it comes Mm -hmm. up again and again, even in hypnosis, because that's what I do integrative wise. And there are similar exercises and people say, I couldn't quite, you know, get that out, that dirt out of that bottle or whatever. It was like, oh yeah, I know. Okay, we'll go back to it, you know, and sometimes things have to happen in stages.
1: Yes, and it reminds me of a ceremony I was in once where I was clearly shown or told that the child inside of me needed to go over to the side and play in the garden <laughs> while this deep, dark work was happening inside of me. Oh, cool. You know, another way of detaching in a way, you know, but that separation needed to happen, that the work that was happening with me couldn't happen if she was inside of me.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've had those experiences. There's like a diversion. and and
1: detaching in a way here you go play
0: in this beautiful garden of eden (laughs) and we're
1: going to do some really dark hard work right now
0: (laughs) oh yeah i've been told we don't need you for this you know and and there's some kind of vision or diversion yeah yeah interesting (laughs) (laughs) okay so i think that ultimately we we have agreed that that um you you wrote a wonderful article recently about um people who have intense experiences and come out of ayahuasca, you know, feeling that intensity still um, mm-hmm. and resensitized maybe to uh, some trauma. And uh, people sometimes describe them as darker experiences. And I'd love to hear you talk about that, the experiences you've had with healing people. And, <laughs>
1: and, and my own darker stuff. experiences.
0: Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about that for sure. Oh, yeah. I, I certainly have yeah. them.
1: So I was thinking about this for a long time. I was kind of calling it post-ceremony stress disorder in my mind.
0: Okay. <laughs> PC- that's interesting. PCSD
1: was the acronym <laughs> I
0: called
1: it because, you know, people were showing up in my practice or sometimes at my door. Not, not everybody I work with by any means, but a certain percentage, maybe 30% of people I work with come out of a ceremony or a retreat and they're really, really freaked out by it. They're... Overwhelmed, they're in a state sometimes of fear or shock or terror, right? Uh, and um, they, what do I want to say? It, you know, they often say, like, that was so traumatizing to me, like, why did the medicine do this to me? Um, obviously, it can trigger a lot of issues with your own mother, <laughs> too, <laughs> you right. know. The childhood issues. Oh
0: him. yes, of course. That relationship. Yeah. Because imagine,
1: you know, and of course, it things. So you know, I, I have found many ways to work with this. I um I've trained in somatic experiencing, which is a very body based trauma healing method that I think is really wonderful because trauma is basically in the body. It's not necessarily in the mind. Mm -hmm. So uh, I can often use SE with people in just a single session, help them ground and calm and kind of start to move through because you can't integrate when you're in a complete state of shock yes, and and horror and frozen, you know, Um, you kind of stuck in the trauma. So uh, yeah, in this article I talk about observations I had with different kinds of people, Uh, Who had different experiences? What triggers their experiences? And um, what can I say? You know, just the the definition of trauma being anything that's too much, too fast, too soon for the nervous system to handle. Right. And sometimes ayahuasca can be too much, too fast, too soon, (laughs) or at least it seems to trigger these things. So I started wondering, huh? So is ayahuasca really traumatizing people? Which could be the case certainly in a percentage of cases you know Mm -hmm. and or is it possible that the ceremony is bringing up older buried layers of trauma and traumatic feelings that really need to be felt in order to move through them yeah maybe these layers of fear or shock or grief for that matter or anger or whatever you know really need to come up and out and they don't always just process in the course of a ceremony right
0: yeah you can be in that
1: state for days or weeks afterwards
0: yeah i've had to go through that post ceremony a, a lot of those things for periods of times and there's always yeah. why why is this happening yeah yeah and it's, it's hard like and you gotta it. feel this if you want to get through it and heal it you know yeah
1: and it's one thing to feel it in ceremony it's another thing to be feeling it a few weeks later <laughs> that can be a little disturbing and scary for people sure so uh you know i've gone through my own layers of this and shock with it and stuff and i've always managed to come out the other side but it's taken some time sometimes but i really believe in the um the virtues the of uh you know getting support if you need support support can be so helpful grounded support and even just a session or two it doesn't have to be a long-term thing but um getting support for your mind and for the story and for the emotions, but also for the body. That's just so freaked out, you know.
0: So yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm curious about your process because um, I, I agree a lot of these um, a lot of these feelings reside in the body, and there there are ways to discover it. Do you um, use this method to help people uh, connect with that in their body and then move it, move through it, move it out?
1: Yeah, it depends on what's needed, you know? I mean, one of the basic um, aspects of somatic experiencing is resourcing. That you don't dive into the powerful, horrible stuff immediately, gung-ho, and try to blast it out of the system. Mm -hmm. You go towards something that's stable, that's grounded. One molecule of your body that feels slightly less freaked out than every other molecule. Yeah, start start from strength. You need to have a base of strength to work with this. And then you move back forth between the two you titrate you calibrate it it's very alchemical in a way so it's not like i have a prescription recipe for everybody it's so much depends depends on what people are bringing and what they need but um you know i i feel that working with somatically based body-based resources and talking about it also you know that the two things together can be very um supportive and helpful
0: Oh, yeah, to not just keep it in the dark, to just bring it out into the light and say, here's what I'm experiencing, even to own it. You know, sometimes uh-huh. there's this secret shame of it, you know.
1: <laughs> there's so yeah. many
0: people talking positively about ayahuasca, and it's like, oh, my God, I'm not feeling We should
1: it. We should touch on that because I've worked with people who say they feel really badly about, you know, their difficult experiences because nobody else seems to be having this. But I can not say either. I think a fair amount of people are having this. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Just don't I mean, feel comfortable talking about it publicly,
0: yeah. You know, I don't think that anybody would, would agree to go through the experience as it is potentially with all of these difficulties if they didn't believe that in the end they would be better for it. And we all go in hoping, you know, for those great things. It just it takes effort and, and trust on, on our end.
1: And sometimes yeah. it and it takes time, and it yeah. takes time, and yeah, it's not just a boom ceremony, you're healed, sort of thing.
0: yeah, and I mean, we do hear those reports where some people have certain things, sometimes. but I think that it's a longer journey, even for them, yeah. you know because and and we, we can't know, everybody's so very unique, but for many of us, it's a long, continuing journey, and even those who report really positive things, they've been through their challenges you know mm-hmm. for sure and
1: yeah and uh, you know that healing is a process yeah <laughs> and it takes time and it takes effort and work i don't mean hard work i mean i think it's really fun work but but um ayahuasca can be a component of that a catalyst in that process but it's not going to do all the work for you <laughs> it yeah. leaves us with so much to do it gives us our homework you know
0: <laughs> and sometimes like as you say uh, w- we're unfamiliar with, or we're not always aware of these things in our past that are still lurking inside of us. Yeah. I remember I had a very intimate experience with ayahuasca as well, you know, and and she hugged me and 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 let me know that we're family, you know, mm-hmm. and that I, I'm I'm one of them, and and it was all very confusing uh, to me, but. One of the things that she did say is that you've had a hard life. And I remember being so surprised. You know, all I could think of was how many people in this world must have had a worse life than me. And she said, <laughs> you know, we know you don't. And she always spoke to me in terms of we. I don't know why, but that's just the way it was. And she said, we know you don't believe that this is true, but it is because of who you are. And then I think now that we're talking about all the challenges i think that a lot of the stuff i didn't i didn't realize that i'd been through and i'd been carrying it around with me and i had to go through bits of it again to to heal it after Mm -hmm. the fact right Mm -hmm.
1: and again that's how we get through our childhoods that's how we survive is that we compartmentalize it we dissociate from it we what's the word downplay it
0: as or normalize talking, it. Like, yeah. Normalize it, like,
1: oh yeah, this happened, but it's just a story, blah blah blah. You know, yeah. completely connected from the actual feelings of it. And I mean, that's okay. That's a survival strategy. That's normal and human. And thank sure. God for it. Oh but yeah, yeah,
0: got us through, right? This is normal. Yeah. This is the way.
1: Right. Yeah. So when we start moving into a more complete healing, and we start wanting to be every bit of ourselves in the world. <laughs> that's when you know, we we come to work through these deeper layers because all the feelings are still in our body. I really believe that, you know, everything, all the emotions, the sensations, it's all packed away there.
0: It's all there. Yeah. And this is the well, this is what illness is about, right?
1: That too. Illness is often a way of speaking up and saying, Hey, yeah. pay
0: attention
1: <laughs> when the body becomes totally saturated and can't carry more anyway.
0: It's like you gotta deal with this. Yeah. Um, So let's talk about um, dreams. Okay. <laughs> I Have you been a person who was involved in your dreams before you you met Ayahuasca? I believe you were, right?
1: Oh, yeah. 30 years. I have dream journals, like feet, <laughs> linear feet of dream journals stacked up in the basement. <laughs>
0: oh, my God. I'm so impressed. I, you know, the most that I could manage is just to record them because I felt yeah. so in the experience still and I was there was part of me that said, I gotta just somehow record this. So yeah. I took my phone and I like literally had recordings. So I remember losing that first phone and going, Oh no, that can't be that was the first thing I thought of. Not backup. Oh no. All the rest <laughs> of it. All I could think of was no way, my ayahuasca journals are in there. And it was returned to me. It was beautiful.
1: Oh that's and good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no and i often suggest to people you know write it down sure but if you can't or don't want to write it down speak it into your phone that's also recording them and at some point you could write type them out if you wanted but at least you have a record of them you know you can yeah. listen
0: them, you can- did you find you had um dreams before doing ayahuasca like have you ever had ayahuasca come before a ceremony i had ayahuasca come after ceremonies <laughs> and do oh. follow work <laughs> yeah
1: or in between ceremonies and then I'm waking in a dream, I'm in a ceremony on some other part of the planet, <laughs> drinking with people.
0: <laughs> oh, that's so cool. And they're, yeah.
1: and they're like, they're aware of my presence, but they don't quite know what to make of it. And those are pretty weird dreams, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, dreams actually led me to to my first medicine, which was Iboga, um, and falling into, I just got, i already started to begin to study and practice. I, um, shamanism and um, part of my own practice was just before I went to sleep to start to ask some questions and see if I could get answers in that way. And just as I was drifting into sleep, I would often get visions and answers and
1: mm.
0: it was good because then I didn't forget them and I, I could make more sense of them. So it was that theta state just before I, exactly. I fell into sleep.
1: Yeah,
0: um, and And yeah, it in, invited me to do uh, iboga and even gave me the timing of it, which I didn't like so much at the time. But And then when I was in ceremony, ultimately, two medicines later with, with ayahuasca, she took me into a dream, I, in ceremony, took me into a dream I'd had previously a long, long time ago. I can't even remember. I don't even know how old I was. Mm-hmm. But she took me into that dream and showed me that she had come to me like years before. Uh-huh. And it was one of those dreams you forget. So I have to wonder how much is really going on <laughs> yeah. at night. Um,
1: yeah, no, it's true. I had a friend come to Peru and visit me a few months ago and we sat in a few ceremonies together. And after her first ceremony, this was her first time with ayahuasca, she said, You know, ayahuasca's been coming to me in my sleep for the last few weeks. I just didn't recognize her until now. <laughs> Beautiful yeah yeah I think it can absolutely work like that but I also feel that all the work I've done with my dreams and just remembering dreams and now I've gotten to the point where I don't have to wake up in the middle of the night to write them down I can you know just remember them till morning that that's really helped me with my own work with ayahuasca right remembering what happens in ceremony because so much can happen in a ceremony right
0: Yeah,
1: (laughs) an incredible amount sometimes and So many visions, so many images, so many aspects to it. And um, I feel it's really helped improve my recall of that so that I can then work with everything consciously afterwards. Right. And I'm, Yeah. I often suggest to people as part of integration work, I feel learning to work with your dreams can be a very complimentary practice
0: to drinking ayahuasca. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. And this is what what I have done and and continued that relationship in many ways. And that's that's certainly one. And I mean, it doesn't always um, give absolute clarity. There are sometimes it's startling the clarity that that I receive and then there's other oh, yeah. times where <laughs> it
1: can be it's ridiculous.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's wonderful. It's like so clear. And then there's other times where it's very murky and I have to regard it. I'm e- even being asked by ayahuasca to regard it as as just another journey. You
1: mm-hmm. know, a healing mm-hmm. journey.
0: And to trust that that it's what I need.
1: Yes. And, and that, that, that always pleasant going back to those
0: darker experiences. It can yeah. be that
1: and that work is done at many different levels, levels of clarity, levels of conf- parent confusion, you know, our mind doesn't always know what's going on. Sometimes it does, but the work it can still be happening.
0: Yeah, I agree. And and it always dissipates. Like, <laughs> I remember uh, one morning waking up from a really heavy night and um, I was actually... Uh, doing some hypnosis work and and exercises um, just to see where I was at with each emotion. And I was just in (laughs) such a disarray and I couldn't believe um, what came out of that. And all of it was because I woke up out of this dream that was really, um, uh, it was just one of those eerie, uh, unpleasant experiences and full of darker emotions. And when I woke up, um, and had to go in and, and do these exercises. It, it all just came out. And by afternoon, I did these same exercises again, and everything changed.
1: Mm.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mean, the change was so dramatic, and it just verified what ayahuasca kept telling me. It'll dissipate, you know, yes. give it yeah. to
1: yeah, it's like the weather. The weather is always changing.
0: <laughs> oh, this is true too. She's used that analogy with me too. Just let it go. It's a storm. It's going to end. It'll pass.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> this, is, this is true of everything.
0: <laughs> everything yeah. does.
1: This is very Buddhist too.
0: It's true. Yeah, don't invest so heavily. She's like, don't don't buy into all of that. <laughs> you know?
1: Don't cling to it. Don't identify with it quite so much. Just yeah. You. So even the worst mood or the most terrible day or the most difficult morning after
0: ceremony, you know, it, it is going to pass. Everything passes. Yeah. Um, so how have, you, how have you worked with dreams uh, in terms of integration? Like, have you ever had it unlock the answers to um, a problem that you were having? Or have you ever had any clients that, that had these experiences?
1: I've had many, many, many of those experiences, I mean, predating my relationship with ayahuasca, you know, dreams speaking to me, me too, giving me messages, sometimes in code that turns out to be really funny, dreams seem, my dreams seem to like puns, (laughs) (laughs) things like that. And sometimes ayahuasca has a bit of that flavor too, you know, you get like, what is this? And then (laughs) all the dream work I've done has helped me decipher some of the visions I've had, you know um so can you so, share some
0: of those stories with us
1: well the ones that are coming to my mind are uh yeah let's see okay let's see what dream do i want
0: to i can share one and then you can yeah, do that well i think of which one okay i'll do that and this is um yeah this is after ayahuasca but again just like you i, I had already begun working with dreams but boy you know everything changes everything did for me once i experienced ayahuasca it was it was very big profound shift in my life after that and one night i was going to bed and I, I had neck issues i know that there were reasons for it there were there were things that occupied my neck that i was working through but my big question that night knowing that there was lots of work to do there and it was ongoing Uh, because I was doing energy healing, all kinds of things. And my big question was, how do I sleep to, you know, not intensify or exacerbate this neck issue? You know, what position should I sleep in? And uh, just as I was going to sleep, I got an image of a skeleton with its arms above its head. (laughs) And I knew that this was an indicator for me to sleep the way i used to sleep i started to change the way i slept because my neck was hurting so bad to try to accommodate it and really all i had to do was just go with what felt more natural and apparently i had changed and you know to my own detriment right it was like go ahead and so now i just adjusted and started to sleep again the way i used to with my you know hands laying above my head and yeah it worked out beautifully It was a weird image to get, but, you know, it was effective. It <laughs> got your attention. Yeah, The skeleton,
1: exactly. yeah, it's like an X-ray.
0: Yeah, they they do do that sometimes where they just, like, g- give you things that will, yeah, get our attention. We won't skip over it because it stands out so much.
1: Right, right. Yeah, so, okay, I'll give you an example of a dream that appeared to be seeking, uh, speaking in code. <laughs> okay. And I cracked I crack the code and I just had to laugh. So I was, uh, this was a while ago, I was in a relationship with a new man and uh, things were going really well. And then one night I had the dream that he'd just come back from a town called Fuma in Panama, right? Okay. The country of Panama, a town called Fuma. That was all I had of the dream. (laughs) And I'm writing this down in my journal. I'm like, what could this possibly mean? I don't know any town called Fuma in Panama. And I started playing with the letters. (laughs) <laughs> and I realized, oh, it's F-U-Ma, <laughs> Pa, not Ma, <laughs> right? Okay. That's, that's one way to interpret that code, You're like F-U-Ma, I want Pa, not Ma, which was indeed his giant, giant complex was favoring his father at the expense of his mother.
0: Oh, <laughs> Which, In the long run,
1: didn't bode well for our relationship. <laughs> ah, I see. Okay. But it was like a detective dream, right? Like, it didn't just show me something point blank. It was like, here, you have to uh, crack this code.
0: I'll bet there's part of you that enjoys that, though. Yeah. They <laughs> <laughs> you know us so well. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Especially in retrospect. It's like, yep, that dream was true. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Actually, that reminds me of another dream that I had during a very short lived relationship. That wasn't going well, and um, but I think that I I was encouraged to go in it to learn the things that I did in and out, you know, <laughs> go in, learn the lessons, and get out. And this was the getting out time, and I had to just I was a little confused about it all, and went to sleep with the intention of the question, you know, about this: um, what do I do, and what's going on, and and how shall I handle it, kind of thing. And the dream. Um, in this dream I kept taking flights to where this man was and every time I arrived he'd just flown out somewhere else. <laughs> it was now pretty <laughs> Exactly. And this happened like several times just to make the point very clear. And so yeah, when I woke up I knew it's like oh, yeah, okay. yeah. I'm just chasing yeah. it. and it's never going to we're never going to meet at the same time in the same place, you know.
1: I think there's just so much wisdom that comes in our dreams every night. And I'm just astonished that our society doesn't, well, I'm not astonished. I know why our society doesn't pay more attention to this, <laughs> but, but I think it's, you know, there's so much value in this. And, um, it's the, you know, a transformational engine to be working with your dreams, regardless of if you work with plant medicine or not.
0: Absolutely. But, but you and do work with
1: plant medicine to bring in dream work is, uh, beautiful complementary practice. Yeah. Sure.
0: I agree. In fact, you know, we do know that we need sleep. You know, we know that it's good for our health and all the rest of it. It's just, we're again, I always tend to favor the physical aspects of it and not pay too much attention to all this other, you know, this wider perspective that we can have. And it's like, and it's like in, our, it.
1: in our mind, sleep doesn't count. It's just a waste of time, quote, unquote. But I feel... <laughs> I feel it. I mean, even without dreams, I feel sleep is so integrative. Sleep is so important. Sleep is so essential to my well-being. And it's one of the pleasures of life. Sure. Yeah. People talk about, oh, I got such a good night's sleep last night. Yeah. Oh, I
0: know. and They're they're afraid they'll be called lazy or something. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember coming, becoming greedy about it because I was getting so much out of it. It was like, no, don't wake me up.
1: <laughs> well, I think if you raise children, you forever after value the, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the broken <I>
0: <laughs> Either him or my cat, even my son or my cat were always getting in the way of this like amazing stuff. Like, not now. Something was really happening. <laughs> Yeah. But you know what I did discover, and you can tell me if this is something that happens to you, is if I woke up like early, early, too early kind of thing, and went back in, I went back in so much deeper and, and had such a more visceral experience.
1: Yeah, it's known as the best time for dreaming. The, the hours, uh, you know, the early morning hours, really early morning, also the best time for meditation. <laughs> yeah. But it's a different quality of dream that comes in those hours, I feel. And I have more odds, you know, it's easier to remember because it happens right before.
0: Yeah, it's interesting too because like with hypnosis, you go in and you come out and if you go in again, you'll go deeper. And I felt like that's what was happening with me in the early mornings. It was almost intentional that I would be, you know, woken up out of my sleep so that I could go back in and then have this bigger experience.
1: Yes, exactly. Right. It's like a reset and then the new program can unfold. Yeah.
0: And my intentions or question would be so much clearer because I didn't have time to cloud my judgment and overthink or anything like that. You're in this mm-hmm. blissful kind of, oh, kind of not there state. And then it just can, you know, enter your mind. You're like, yeah, that's what I want to know. Boom. Go back to sleep and there it yeah. is.
1: Yeah. yeah. Incubation. It's called dream incubation, isn't it?
0: Well, ask questions incubation of
1: incubation well, well just the, the practice of asking questions of your dreams and then receiving the answer however the answer may come even if you know it's a whole uh, how do I say intentional practice yeah your life um, can be the answer <laughs> what, but whatever comes in your dreams that night can be the answer to that question
0: you know sure it
1: doesn't seem like it it's just like you have an intention and ceremony yes what you receive may or may not seem to relate to it but i'm pretty sure it does at some level (laughs) you know oh yeah that's why i keep an ayahuasca journal and a dream journal you know so i can record all these messages from and to my psyche and then you know years later look at it and go wow
0: i knew that back then but i forgot it (laughs) that 's right, years later, somehow it 's like oh that 's what they meant. I remember early on um, it was so funny i was I was trying to have this dialogue before before i 'd done ayahuasca after starting to engage in shamanism, and there was sort of one, but it was it was not as as clear and fluid as it is now. Anyway, I went back into my dream the second night after the first night was murky and said, you know, my communication through intention sort of was, um, you know, to make it clearer to me because I, I said, okay, I, I kind of saw the images and whatever, but I'm not sure what they mean, so can you communicate? And then it was like a joke what happened that night. I went into my dreams and similar images or came to me. And then there was like... Um, you know when there's closed captioning on on the screen, or when there there's like uh, the words show up, yeah, <laughs> at the bottom. So that was appearing beneath these images. The problem is I couldn't. <laughs> <read it. laughs> and when the words were explaining things, <laughs> yeah, they were like, yeah, they were just giving me exactly what this was supposed to mean, and and yet I couldn't read it. Like there was, I had no capacity to focus on it, but it made me laugh. <laughs> they
1: were spelling it out
0: for you literally yes (laughs) this is too bad you couldn't see it but (laughs) you know it's like i imagine that that was the simplicity of it but yeah but of course i i don't know why in my dream i could not focus on it maybe that was the message
1: (laughs) maybe that's yeah maybe that's part of it too it reminds me of a, a vision i had and it was my first ayahuasca experience toward the end and uh I was seeing all this karmic stuff. Let's just say lifetime after lifetime, ancestral patterns, past life patterns. And I asked, you know, why did some of these things have to happen to me in this life? You know, it's like, you could have made me perfect. Why did, why was I made with certain disabilities in a way? And a screen appeared and on the screen was the word responsibility.
0: Oh, that's interesting. (laughs) (laughs)
1: It was just spelling it out for me. (laughs) Wow. About taking responsibility for past actions was what I got from it. I see. Okay.
0: The karmic aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah. The whole learning pattern.
1: Yeah, Yeah. because it certainly can work at that level too, you know?
0: Right. Like when at the beginning of my, my journey, this ongoing dialogue that happened when I came back from Peru, uh, after asking a billion questions and getting exhausted, <laughs> I started to settle into it a little bit and ask them one by one instead of like being so crazy about it. And one of my questions was, um, what is karma? And the mm. answer was, karma is your own plan for your own life, mm. like the plan that you laid out for yourself. Mm-hmm. And that, that one kept me silent for a while. <laughs> I no, think I, they like that one. <laughs> I know, I,
1: I totally see how that can fit into the picture.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: karma isn't just something that happens to us. It's certainly not a punishment. It's not at all. all. It's our evolution.
0: Yeah. And, and it, that's
1: yes, possibly we choose this.
0: Exactly. So, so definitely said, I feel like
1: we chose this. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, when you said responsibility, that's immediately what came to mind uh-huh. because it's like, yeah. And there's a reason why you laid it out this way, right? Yes. Yes. Although, you know, sometimes, some
1: days it's like, why did I choose so? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I bit off more than I can chew this lifetime. <laughs>
0: yeah. Lots and lots. Yeah. I mean, you know, there are times when, um, also another thing that was kind of shared with me through ayahuasca was that, and I mean, I know that, and I, and I want to state this as much as I can throughout these discussions, is that everybody is so unique. I mean, people are coming out of ayahuasca. We all have, I think many of us anyway, have a sense of this essential message of love and all the rest of it. But we're also unique that we all get very different lessons and sometimes entirely different perspectives on things. And Mm -hmm. and I'm certainly open to all of those. Mm -hmm. And when I speak about my own experiences with conviction, it's because that's my reality and that's what is unfolding with me in ayahuasca.
1: Exactly. And likewise, for me, you know, as yeah. a position I can speak from with the most um, experience. <laughs> and but and it- I think...
0: Yeah, of course. And I think that there's value in that, like a lot of value, because there are people out there that totally identify, and you and I are identifying with one another's story, and and, and these are important things to share, I believe.
1: Yeah, and there's other people who have completely different experiences.
0: Yeah, entirely <laughs> that, valid. I can't yeah. fathom having in this lifetime,
1: but it's, they sound wonderful.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you know... If we want to get over uh, a lot of the conflict that we have in this world and in our social experiences, I think opening up to that concept of, you know, people just being in their own experience and that it's just as valid and true for them, that ours is for us, that we're going to make a lot more progress, I think, towards a peaceful
1: existence, right? Yes. And, and people starting to trust their own experiences rather than listening to, you know, a YouTube video about ayahuasca ceremonies and going, I want that, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's going to be your own unique
0: snowflake. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. I, I emphasize that a great deal, yeah. you know, do all of that because it's natural for us to explore and then, and then open up and know that it's, it could be, an, it, and it's likely to be in, and it most certainly will be <laughs> entirely unique, right? Entirely different. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, Um, going through the different kinds of integrative experiences I've had and the difficult ones and on and on you know I started to get to this point where I'm like saying to ayahuasca okay I've done all this work and it's just you know there's still such deep challenges Um, is this my stuff is this ancestral stuff you know because I've heard people talk about Um, you know, making the decision to clear up your own stuff and you don't always have to take on this ancestral healing stuff. And and so I'm kind of presenting it to Ayahuasca this way because it was just so challenging this particular period and I'm I'm looking for ways to try to, (laughs) I don't know, maybe get out of it (laughs) Mm -hmm. or understand it or whatever. And so I got this download that was like, that made me see that, me trying to conveniently divide it all up and say that's theirs and this is mine was was kind of silly because we're all carrying all this stuff <laughs> yeah. yeah you know from our ancestors you know my mum's issues the issues that I had with my parents they had with their parents and their parents and on and, on, know, and on and on it back goes. back and back and back and back right.
1: it's in it's in our DNA first of all you know yeah and and I also believe that some of us maybe not Everyone else, but some of us are like tasked with clearing up ancestral lineages, and that's when the ancestral stuff can land particularly heavily. Yeah, uh, it's not everybody's work, but some people seem to have taken that on.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, when it was presented that way, it was pretty hard to say no. I'll just like have this heavy stuff hang around, and I won't do a thing about it because <laughs> it's someone else's. <laughs> like not much of a choice it's like again this whole you are carrying this you may not be aware of it but we're presenting it to you so you have the opportunity to heal it you know right right yeah
1: exactly and you'd have a choice to an extent
0: (laughs) of course you know we always do but faced with that decision of course and knowing how it felt to shift off this heavy stuff it's like oh okay And there you are, immersed in it, because the healing's kind of underway. So I do think that I'm one of those people (laughs) that (laughs) agreed to quite a bit. (laughs) Yeah. They hint at it all the time.
1: The uh, curandero I work with in Iquitos uh, do a lot of dietas, plant dietas. Oh, yeah. he, He said that dieta has the power to clean your DNA seven generations back and seven generations forward, something like that. So the point being... Also that you clear it for your children, which is really a good motivation.
0: <laughs> oh, and that has been like an intention over and over again. Yeah. yeah. like yeah. My and, and,
1: their, and their children and on and on. You know, you're, you know when you really release the stuff, you're doing it for your whole line so that they don't have to carry this. And that's beautiful. Yeah.
0: And how how have you felt like, have you felt that ayahuasca has helped that experience of being a parent and your relationships with your kids? I always like to talk about this and hear other people's stories. Sure. Well, my
1: kids are grown and they're, you know, 25 and 30. So it's not at the, parent, the hands-on parenting thing anymore. I mean, it's made me a better person. It's made me happier. It's made me lighter. It's made me cleaner. And they see that and they acknowledge that. They're like, oh, wow, this has been good for you. You know?
0: Do you think that it's made an impression on them in terms of their own um, experience? Like, do you think that that's something that they'd be interested in doing? Do they do personal work?
1: Time will tell <laughs> about these things. And there's also a matter of just the right timing for things. And I haven't really seen that they have an opening or a time in their lives to do right. even a fraction of the work that I'm doing. But uh, in the long run, you know, there's an open door. (laughs) Their their mom's
0: in Peru, so. (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, This is important to to know, too, is that this stuff takes time. It does, right?
1: Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And also I think about if I had met ayahuasca in my 20s, I was not at all ready for it, you know? I didn't need yeah. it till I was 55, and I was totally ready.
0: <laughs> right. And I know
1: for many people in their 20s, it's perfectly fine, but, um, you know, it kind of it shows up at the right time, I believe, you
0: know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah for all of us, it's true. Mm-hmm. But making time after the ceremony, you know, and taking time to do this work, is, it's, it's wonderful, and it's um, – it's effective, you know, trying to slip it in, in a busy life. I don't know, you know, it's going to be far more challenging and it's challenging enough. But if you're really devoted to integrating that experience, um, I I, I see people, I remember seeing not too long ago, someone posting in Facebook on the ayahuasca group saying, oh, uh, we're visiting Peru and we're going to, you know, we're trying to fit in a ceremony (laughs) that's like, oh, please don't, you know, I mean, do whatever (laughs) resonates with you, but be aware. It's it's a really good thing to make some time, you know, before and after, right?
1: Absolutely. And you can get so much more value uh, from the experience when you frame it consciously, especially with time after. I mean, I'm all seeing people running off to buses they have to catch the next day after a ceremony or going to Machu Picchu or <laughs> catching flights. It's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> Give yourself at least the day after a ceremony. I mean, those, those are some of my favorite days in life, you know, the day
0: after. <laughs> sure. So and the experience is still ongoing, right? I mean, yeah. is that how you feel?
1: Yeah, so many realizations and insights keep coming. And, you know, there's this digestion that gets to happen and, you know, it's certainly integrative, but it's just, it's part of the work for me It's the day after, the morning after.
0: <laughs> yeah. And like in all integrative work, when you make space and time, it comes, you're yes. welcoming it. You're asking it, saying, okay, I'm ready. I'm willing to do this, you know. Yes.
1: But if you don't have space and time, it's just going to lay there.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because you're putting your attention
1: somewhere else.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And focus. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Just, that's uh, a shame. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're coming to the end of our time. And, um, Carrie, why don't you uh, let people know where they can get a hold of you? And sure.
1: Right. So, my name is Carrie Moran, and I live in the Sacred Valley of Peru. Uh, but I work with people worldwide by Skype and Zoom and FaceTime because ayahuasca is truly worldwide nowadays.
0: Absolutely. And my website
1: is called ayahuascawisdom.com. And there's also a lot of blog posts on there, different aspects of integration in ayahuasca that I find interesting. So,
0: yeah. Perfect. So that's Mm ayahuascawisdom.com. Right. Okay, perfect. And for me, if anyone wants to get in touch with me, it's rebeccahayden.com. And you can also find the show online on our Facebook, um, Ayahuasca Talks Radio Show. Uh, It's a Facebook page, so... Join us and um, thank you very much, Carrie, for your time and your wisdom. And uh, yeah, I look forward to um, seeing more articles and remaining in touch with you.
1: Yeah. Thanks so much for the work you do. I really appreciate all the work you do and also this opportunity to speak.
0: Oh, thank you so much. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye.